Hi. <laughs> God's good, eh? He's so, like, he's so tentative to detail and he's so personal with all of us. Um, and it's lucky to have mornings like this sometimes when the Holy Spirit just moves in and amongst us. Because he's really, it's not, about, it's not about getting out a good preach or having a lack of worship. It's, those are, I think those are important, those are good, but it's about following the Holy Spirit. So, um, yeah, well done to you guys. I know sometimes, uh, it, it sometimes takes practice actually. It's hard not to do that which we used to. Sometimes we sit there and we're like, I'm, I'm not there where they are. Like, and you get a bit disheartened or discouraged. But I want to encourage you, press in. Press in when we have these times and don't, yeah, don't disconnect. So, so guys, you remember last week we spoke a little bit about uh, dying, the flesh dying and the spirit, um, feeding the spirit and what that looks like. And um, I, I said that we we're going to go into a time of fasting. And uh, that's going to start this week. But I felt to just maybe lay a foundation for us in fasting. And then maybe just a couple practical handles and tools as we do that, really. Um, but I really felt that this morning, I felt there's something of, in this time of fasting, and in this time of, it's not only fasting, it's fasting and prayer and intimacy, drawing towards the Lord and feeding the Spirit. There is something of, as we do that, we resist the enemy. And the Bible says when you resist the enemy, he will flee. And there's something of this in the season for us. I believe that, that you know, sometimes when you resist the enemy, it doesn't always feel like he flees. But he does. He should. But I think there's, in this, is as we position ourselves in the Lord correctly with our hearts, we're actually going to see some incredible, oh, wow, thank you. Look at that. Some uh, incredible breakthrough. So maybe just remember a scripture I started with last week was 1 John 2 verse 6. It says, whoever says he abides in him ought to walk the same way in which, in which he walked. So who's it talking about there? It's not talking about Estian. <laughs> it's talking about Jesus. How did Jesus walk? So we want to walk like he walked. We want to look like he looked. And um, Jesus fasted. You guys know that. So maybe before I get to that part, like fasting is talked about in the Bible. We probably don't have the strongest culture of fasting, but maybe we should get a bit stronger in it. Because we assume that we should pray. And the Bible does talk about fasting as well. Maybe here when in, in Matthew 6, 16 to 18, uh, Jesus is teaching and he says, when you fast. He's not saying, think about fasting but he's like he's expecting that there will be that actually, and the the, the precursor, the 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 the, the um, chat or the verse before that, a couple of verses before that says, "When you pray, this is how you should pray." So we all ex we know we should pray, right? But I mean, it's normal. Like I mean, obviously, Christians pray, right? Obviously, Christians fast too. <laughs> I mean, it, it seem would seem that way. He also says in Matthew nineteen verse four, uh, I think it's fourteen to fifteen. He says. Um, this is just the scripture. John's disciples came and asked him, how is it then when the Pharisees fast, uh, that the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus answered, how can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom is taken from them, then they will fast. That's us. He's not here anymore. He's gone. So there is a time of fasting. There is something in us that should be desiring this and actually doing it. And to be honest with you, I think it's something in me. I've been actually feeling a little bit convicted, even as I've been, as I've been preparing. I, I, it's just, it's something we veer away from, 
And we, we kind of paint a picture of what fasting is. I'm going to give up social media or I'm not going to eat chocolate. That's not fasting. That's giving up chocolate. Like, <laughs> like fasting is talking about not eating for a period of time and breaking it and then eating again. There's something of, you know, we, I think we get caught up in Lent, actually. You, know what, you guys know what Lent is? It's, a, it's actually a Catholic tradition. Comes, it's a 40 days of denying oneself, and it's kind of a similar line. But actually, I think Lent has actually done damage to what true fasting is, in a sense. Because it's not just giving things up. Who was it? Was it Ellen? Ellen? Where is Ellen? Was he with the kids? So Ellen and Jeff, they're naughty, eh? So we're talking about the service last week, and Ellen, I can hear him on the back. He's, he was with Uncle Sid. The three of them were together, and I, can, and, and I asked Jeff, I said, so what did you think of the meeting? And he's, no, no, it was good, it was good. And I hear Ellen in the background, he goes, I've given up fasting for Lent. <laughs> uh, you get it? <laughs> anyway, funny joke. Um, so, so maybe I just want to focus in on a few scriptures quickly. Matthew 4, 1 to 11. And uh, I want to just really hone in on that. And that's when Jesus is just after he gets baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit, and he gets led into the wilderness. Okay? And uh, maybe I want to read. I'm going to kind of read, break it up, read, break it up. So stick with me um, if you can follow me. Um, I'm going to read from verse 1. It says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> I mean, like, Matt, you reckon you could do that? <laughs> 40, days, 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, Jesus is not making that up on the spot. He's quoting Scripture. It is written. So where is it written? Deuteronomy. Let's go and have a look at Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy, uh, it's actually Deuteronomy 8, 23. It says, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way into the wilderness these 40 years. See, there's a bit of a parallel here. 40 years, Israelites, who were chosen people, who were meant to reflect the kingdom of God, who were a people that God himself had chosen and was shaping and forming to be something on this earth. 40 days, Jesus comes. He actually fulfills that which they can't do. And I'll show you a little bit just how that happens. Um, remember how the Lord your God led you uh, all the way into the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that... Man does not live by bread, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So there Jesus is going to the principle of this and he's saying, I do not rely on things of this world, I rely on God for my nourishment. And he quotes scripture right there. So I want to maybe just go to Deuteronomy 6 um, and I'm going to focus in on 10 
uh, I think it's 10 to 12. So the, the, this part of Scripture, is, it's called the greatest commandment. And Moses is actually teaching the people this. He's giving the people this. And he starts with, Hear, O Israel, um, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. Interesting. Heart, soul, and strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. And then he goes through the commandments, but I want to, oh, he, he, he kind of sets them up. But I want to focus in on verse 10 here. He says, When the Lord your God brings you into the land he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large, flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of things you did not provide, wells you did not dig. And vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then, when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord. Who brought you out of Egypt and out of the land of slavery. Interesting that, eh? That's a few scriptures before he says, I do not live on bread alone, but every, every word that comes from the Lord. There's something of, of getting distracted. And I think food represents that, actually. A distraction that the world brings and provision actually brings. The Lord provided all those things. But when we immerse ourselves in these things, we become distracted because he's warning them very clearly there, do not forget the Lord your God. I think we can get so immersed in the blessing of the physical blessing in a sense that we actually forget who the giver is, right? And um, obviously then... Uh, we're talking about the manna in Deuteronomy. And I mean, Paul even refers back to the manna. He says, um, for not, do not be unaware, bro, um, brothers, to our fathers who were all under the cloud, all passed through the sea, and were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink. So again, Paul is alluding to the fact that this is manna that came from heaven, that were provided from the Lord, is not just food, it represents something. It's a spiritual food. The rock that he talks about, the spiritual rock that they drank from, remember that there was the rock that he, when Moses struck the rock and water flowed from the rock. That rock represents Christ. There's a spiritual drinking, a spiritual nourishment that's, that's giving, given. So there's something in this all wrapped together which in the first time that Satan comes to Jesus in the desert and tempts him to turn rocks into, into bread. And Jesus says, no, I do not eat. Oh, I do not, I'm not nourished from this. I'm nourished by my father. I'm paraphrasing what he's actually saying. And... Uh, then it goes on to say this, Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, Throw yourself down, for it is written, and they will lift you, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Now this is like, it's very interesting for me because a little bit later in that same scripture in Deuteronomy, when Moses is warning the people, giving them a commandment, telling them what not to do, he says, do not put the Lord your God to your test as you did at Massa, which is where Moses struck the rock. So there's something of what the, 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 the Israelites do in the, in the desert. Satan is coming to try and actually get Jesus to do. You see, there's a parallel here. And the next scripture, it goes, 
from verse 8, it says, Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the, of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. And the very next thing in Deuteronomy that Moses tells the people, you will only serve the Lord your God. You will not, you shall not bow down to our idols. He says this in, I think it's 13, verse 13, Deuteronomy 6, verse 13. Fear the Lord your God, serve him only, and take your oaths in his name. Do not follow other gods. Now Satan's coming to Jesus in the, in the desert, and he's saying to him, bow down to me. Do you see that? The same things Moses warning the Israelites against, that they keep falling. I mean, we know that the Israelites bowed to idols in the desert. They tested the Lord. And they grumbled, but, but I mean, it, the food was a big issue for them. The quails, the manna, it was, we know these, we see these things. And we see the parallels in him. So actually, what happens is a great picture of Jesus not giving in to the flesh, not giving in to that which the Israelites gave in to, actually. Strengthening his spirit, denying the flesh and honoring God and not his self, in a sense. And in that, he resists the devil. Now, you see what, like, what I was feeling about this resisting. He, in, in his actions, every time that the enemy comes to him, he strengthened his position in the Lord, and he's resisting the devil. And the last scripture there in Matthew 4, it says, Jesus said to him, he's talking to Satan now, away from me, Satan. Very, immediately after Satan said to him, bow down to me, Jesus says to him, I will... If you, uh, Satan says to him, if you will bow down to me and worship me, I'll give you all these things. Jesus says to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord and serve him only. He's quoting again. He's quoting Deuteronomy. Then the devil left him and the angels came to attend to him. It's amazing, eh? Satan goes. Because he's got no right. He's got no footing. He's got no, there's nothing there for him to hang on to. Jesus hasn't entertained him the, light, the slightest. He resists him and he flees. He has to. It says in James 4 verse 7, Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. That process of 40 days of the tempting, Jesus submitted himself to the Lord. He did not seek his own, even so much so as to even his own food. He wasn't even eating. He was focusing entirely on the Spirit. He resisted the enemy, and the enemy went. And I do believe, I do feel like there's something of that's going to happen in us as a people. As we take the step in faith, that as we resist the enemy in our time of fasting and prayer and worship, we don't yield to the things of the world. Satan's going to flee because we tell him to go, and he must go. Isaiah 58, I, asked, I told you guys to, to read through that in communities this week. And um, there is something, it is an incredibly beautiful scripture. It, it's telling how we shouldn't fast, how we should fast, and then what happens when we do fast, actually. And I'm not going to dive into it. I mean, you could probably preach for weeks on, your, on just that. But there's something of our positioning our hearts and then what the Lord actually does in that time as we fast with a correct heart. And um, I want to maybe just pick up on uh, from verse 6 um, of Isaiah 58. It is not this kind of fasting I have chosen. Is this not the kind of fasting that I've chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and tie the cords of the yoke. 
to set the oppressed free and to break every yoke. That's cool, cool songs we've been singing, eh? Because that's what, actually that's what happens in true fasting, in true resisting. It's not only, like it's a picture as we resist the flesh. We resist, the flesh represents Satan and his temptations in a sense. Then it goes, is it not to share your food, to provide um, for the poor? I'm just paraphrasing, I'm, I'm just going through this quickly. To clothe them, to turn away from your own flesh and blood. Then it says in verse 8, then your light will break forth like the dawn. And your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear God. Then, he will call, then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here I am. There's something of a, of a positioning. I remember a couple of weeks ago, two, two, three weeks ago, I preached on mercy. And God desires mercy over sacrifice. Giving up food is a sacrifice. But what God's saying here is actually desiring mercy. Because all of these things are mercy. These are all mercy things. Share your food. Provide for the fur. Like it's a positioning of our heart. It's not, a, it's not like the Pharisees did. Pious, hey, we're you know, holier than now, righteous type of attitude. It's a humbleness, a brokenness, and a meekness as we come before the Lord. Then it goes on to say, Verse 10, and if you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness. I must be honest with you, when I read these words, and your night will become like noonday. I, I picture someone who's very depressed. One of, the, one of the translations is gloomy. Your gloom will turn to light or something like that. And I, thought, and I just thought it hit me like that's, that's what depression is. You're in this gloomy, dark place. And when your heart shifts like, and you actually persevere in these things, the Lord turn your gloom into day. He'll turn your noonday into what? You'll become, sorry, your night will become like noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and he will strengthen your frame and you will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the, old, uh, the age-old foundations. Now he begins to make it more contextual because he's actually speaking to um, the guys that were actually rebuilding um, the walls. How amazing is that though? The promises in that are incredible. The promises in Isaiah 58, when we fast with the right heart posture in the right way, God wants to bring breakthrough. He wants to bring freedom. He says those things will happen. And when we do that, when we actually do that, and as we resist, the enemy begins to flee in these things. So, I want to say to us, let's not be a people that fast in vain, in a sense. Actually, there's purpose to this. Actually, let's posture our, our hearts correctly towards the Lord. Let's be merciful and obedient, gentle. And now I want to come to just a little bit of, of what I was talking about last week. I want to reference back to that. And I want to go back to that picture from 1 Thessalonians about the soul, the spirit, and the flesh. And... Uh, I want to have some fun there because I think there's something in that, a very practical illustration of how fasting works. Then I want to land just in a few practical things of how we do it, what we're going to do together. Because I, I think the Lord has already ministered 
to you guys. I think he's already done a lot of stuff. So I want to leave you guys with some tools to, to, to take into this week that you actually know what, what and how we're going to do it. Does that make sense? All right. So um, let's, can, I get my <laughs> can I get those three volunteers again from last week? <laughs> you guys have been up here a lot. Eh? Yeah, come. Matt, Josh, will you come again? So you guys remember these guys were here last week? Our soul, um, body, and uh, yeah, yeah, maybe just stand on the, on the stage. Our soul, flesh, and spirit. Get the order right. Eh? <laughs> so I just want to, maybe just as the guys are coming up, I want to just lay this foundation quickly. Do you know that... Um, when Adam and Eve ate from the fruit, you know, God said to them, do not eat from the fruit because you will surely die. Okay? When they ate from the fruit, did they die? No, they didn't die. Not immediately. They entered into a state of decay. I think their bodies began to die, and they did eventually die. But their spirit died. Because they, were, they, were, they actually were eternal. They were eternal beings before that. Death entered the world and their spirit died. Okay, so now you're born. You know that when you're born, your spirit's dead. You don't, you're not born with an alive spirit. It's interesting, eh? Like, cause, well, that's what I read and understand in Scripture. I mean, you can maybe, what about a baby, this and that? I don't know. I don't know how that all works. I don't. <laughs> but there is a sense that we're not. We, we're, it talks about becoming a new creation in Christ. We're given a heart of stone is replaced with a heart of flesh. So it's heart of stone. You're not living. So who is the flesh? Matt. You're dead, bro. Lie down. <laughs> huh? Sorry, the, sorry, the spirit's dead. Sorry, Matt. You lie. <laughs> you lie down, Josh. <laughs> so this is how Steph was born. He was born. Maybe this is not a great picture, but anyway. You see what I'm trying to what I'm trying to illustrate here, okay? So when we're born, that's our state actually. And until we enter into a relationship with Jesus, until we um, are actually regenerated through the power of the cross and his resurrection, that is our state. Now you stay down, bro. You're dead. So maybe before we move even on past this, I want to ask if there's anybody here this morning that has not asked Jesus to be their Lord and Savior. And he says, confess, believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth. Right? So if you've never, and that's not, the, I mean, that's, that's the moment. I think there's a moment when you lift your hand and there's a moment when you respond in, the, in obedience to that. Because he also says, confess, if, if you don't confess me before man, I won't confess you before my Father in heaven. And I think there's a moment that when your heart is going, yes, I actually haven't responded to that. I haven't gone, I am choosing to follow Jesus. I think there's a moment there, and I want to offer that opportunity to anybody here today. I'm going to come back to that a little bit later. But maybe right now, I'm just I'm priming your heart. That if that's you, and you're going, actually, I'm in this state right now. I haven't accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I haven't... I, 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 I now am believing in my heart and I'm wanting to confess with my mouth. I want to ask you maybe later just to actually respond to that. So, but anyway, that, this is the state you would be in if you haven't responded to the, the gospel. That's the call of the gospel. Right. So, it does say in 2 Corinthians, it tells us now that we're a new creation. So, there we go. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has 
come. But you have to be in Christ. That means bowing your knee to Him, being in Him. Ephesians 2, uh, 2 verse 4 tells us that we are now alive in Christ. It says, but because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ when we were dead in our transgressions. Is that the right? There we go. Dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By your grace we have been saved. So again, there's a responding to His grace, a stepping into Christ, and a spirit begins to live. Josh, you can start to stand up. <laughs> well, yeah, well, thank you. Yeah, I'm good. So there is, that's actually, yeah, it's a great, so the language we use often is born again, right? So what does born again mean? Well, born again, how can you get born again? I think, is it Nicodemus that asked Jesus, if, how, how can I be born again? So it's not possible to physically be born again. But this is what he means. Now, when we're in Christ, we're reborn. Our spirit is born, and he's made alive. That may, there we go. Can we get a hand there? <laughs> so now, 2 Peter 1 verse 3 tells us that God has given us everything we need. Okay? See, his divine power has given us everything we need for godly life through the knowledge of him who called us to be his own glory and good, to be his own glory and goodness. There we go. John 6 verse 63 says, The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I've spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. Now, I'm just, these are just scriptures that I'm just wanting to give you because this is, gonna, it's, this is a bit of a foundation of now the illustration that I want to give you. So, now we are, have our regenerated, reborn Christian, Steph. <laughs> and uh, so who of you know what it takes to live a healthy life? Just a healthy body, right? You need, like the physical part of my body. So eat healthy, so good diet, nutrition, exercise. And another thing, sleep, rest. Those three things are very key when it comes to the physical body, actually. And uh, you actually don't realize what an important thing rest is. Um, I used to um, train quite a bit, and I did a lot of running and cycling. And, that. and the thing that defines a professional athlete from an amateur athlete is not the amount of training that he puts in. It's the amount of rest that he gets. It's interesting, that, eh? So actually, a professional athlete gets paid to race, to train. That means he doesn't have to go to work after he's trained, and he can put his feet up. He recovers better, his muscles respond better, and he actually becomes more effective. It's interesting that, eh? Same thing. You can put the same amount in, but without rest, you can actually land up doing damage to your body. Um, so now we know what good nutrition is. So we can feed him. We can take him out to walk. And we can make sure that he sleeps. <laughs> But now, if our, if our fight is not against, what, flesh and blood, but against powers, principalities, and rulers in dark places, right? That's a spiritual fight. So what good is it to me that he's strong and he's weak? He's distracted too. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha. 
gosh, you, you're a legend, bro. Priceless. <laughs> so if we're going to go to war, because we're, we're in war, right? We're in a war. Prayer, fasting, this is how we fight our battles. Worship, this is how we fight our battles. Now, if we're going to go to war in the spirit, what good is a weak, half asleep, distracted, undernourished, badly exercised, lack of sleep, <laughs> spiritual man? Can, is he effective? I mean, I'm, I want to go to war with, with a guy that knows what he's doing. So how do we, how do we feed that guy? Does anyone know? The same, it's the same language, actually. Good diet, nourishment. So what is the diet? What's our, what, do we, what do we feed it with? What do we nourish it with? The Word. I do not live by bread alone. Every word that comes from the mouth of God. Exercise. How do we exercise Him? Pray. Build yourself up, build your spiritual, self, your spiritual body up with praying in tongues. Very important, actually. That is, a, guys, just a little side note. Like, if you ever wonder why tongues, tongues is one of the only gifts that's given for you. Have you ever thought about that? It's for your spirit to be built up. It's amazing, actually. All the other gifts are given for the body and building up the body. Tongues is given to you. How do we pray without ceasing? Oh. I don't know, I haven't got enough words in my vocabulary, but <laughs> speaking in tongues. So if you're not sure about that and you've got some questions about tongues, you can come ask me afterwards. We'll pray for you. <laughs> Shucks, I'm being facetious. Sorry. Um, okay, so right, exercise, prayer and fasting. Fasting. It's bending the flesh. It's killing the flesh into submission. Uh, Paul speaks of it. He's got this language. He talks about running a race. He says, I beat my body into submission. What's he talking about? He's like, actually, there's something of my, my flesh that needs to die. And the other one is rest. It's just time in his presence. Resting in the Lord. So again, we need good food, which is the word, prayer and fasting, and worship, actually. Worship. Actually, just also a little side note there. Worship is an incredible exercise. You know, we jump up and down and get a bit of exercise. Do you know how connected our physical bodies are with our spirit? Like God, there's something in us gets released. Endorphins get released. God brings he actually brings natural healing sometimes to our body, just getting a bit of exercise. You know that you know that exercise is good for you? It's good for your soul, they say. Same with worship. So there's something of the spirit that gets fed actually as we even exercise our body. It's amazing how God works. He's knitted us together. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. He has knitted us, our spiritual beings and our physical bodies and our souls. This, this, I don't think we get how knitted together we are. We're, there's such a connection between, between the different parts of us. So, John 6 verse 27 says this, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end pretty soon. I'm just going to talk about how we're going to do this now. It says, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life. It's like, that's a pretty cool scripture. That's pretty directly speaking into what we're talking about right now. These guys. 
Should we ask them to go and sit down? <laughs> hey? Do you want to share? Yeah, or, yeah, come share quickly some. So just an example of what happens when we don't feed our spirit. So, Josh, you sit down, you're like a little tiny spirit. You're there, you're alive, you're a Christian, you're born again, your spirit's not dead. But Steph's not feeding his spirit, so his spirit is a little tiny baby. He's feeding his flesh, Matt is big. Steph here, Steph here represents your soul, which is your mind, what you're thinking. It's your emotions, what you're feeling, and your will, what do you want to do. You know, like if your flesh is strong, you want to do the things that the flesh does. If your spirit is strong, you want to do the things that the spirit wants you to do. So now, just a little example. Estian comes along. And he says something to Steph that really offends Steph. Yeah. <laughs> you are weak. <laughs> so he, he, he says something to Steph. Now, Steph's spirit is very weak, so he can't actually fight this battle that's coming his way. Remember, his battle is not against Estian because his battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against spirits and powers and rulers of the dark age. So behind this whole thing is a little demon that's going at Steph. <laughs> and, and this little spirit is called rejection. And he wants to go at Steph and like, Steph is wanting to feel rejected now. His emotions are going like, what he said really hurt me and I feel like he doesn't like me. And because his flesh is strong, his flesh go, yeah, actually we don't like Estian and we're going to be offended with him. We're going to have unforgiveness in our hearts towards that guy. So whenever he talks in church, we are not going to listen. We're going to harden our heart. We're going to close up our heart to him and walk around with bitterness. And his spirit is too weak to go, no, 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 no. Let's do what the spirit wants. And reject rejection. So now, in a different scenario, flesh is weak. Spirit is strong. He's been feeding his spirit. He's been praying in the spirit. He's been worshiping Jesus, spending time with Jesus. And now Estian comes and he says something hurtful. And rejection is like lurking about wanting to attach to his mind his emotions, and his will. But his spirit is strong, and his spirit is saying, no, I will live in the opposite spirit. <laughs> I'm going to choose to believe the best of Estian. Estian obviously had a difficult day. His wife is very pregnant, and maybe she was emotional, and he didn't know how to handle it, and he's struggling, and he said something without thinking, and, but that's not his heart. And because his spirit is strong, he's going like, I'm believing the best of Estian. I'm not going to feel rejected because actually I'm not a rejected because the word of God says that he's not given me a spirit of rejection, but that of adoption by which I can cry about Father, and I'm strengthening myself in the spirit, and you spirit of rejection, you leave me alone. And there he just did spiritual warfare, and he resisted the, the enemy, the devil, and Satan's got to go like, 
I can't attach to this guy. I've got to actually leave now and come back at a more opportune time because he never stops trying to take you out. You're always in a spiritual war and you always have to feed your spirit so that when these arrows of the enemy come, you can resist by the spirit and not give in to your flesh. And that's why we feed the spirit and starve the flesh. Hey. Thanks, babes. And you guys want to take a seat? <laughs> well done. Give them a hand. <laughs> All right. So, guys, this is it. We're going into a week of, uh, of prayer, of, of intentionally fighting, intentionally killing the flesh. Um, and in that, we're trusting that one of the, well, many, all the fruits of the Spirit will begin to bubble up within us more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, they'll be more noticeable in a sense. They'll be more, pr- more prominent. And one of those being self-control. You need to put self-control into play when you're doing this. Um, and now, okay, so practically, what does this look like? So this coming Tuesday evening is going to be, you're going to eat your last meal. Forever. <laughs> the last supper. So coming Tuesday evening, have dinner, and that's it. Until we come together in communities on Wednesday evening, the following evening, and we're gonna, I want to encourage you guys in community to have a, share a meal together, and not just share a meal together. I, would, I want to encourage you guys to break bread. So actually have communion before you share the meal together. Have an awesome meal together. Celebrate. Because we're actually celebrating what God's doing in us as a people. And then I want to encourage you guys to testify, to pray together and even worship together if, you, if, you've, if you've got time to do that. I mean, you can. Of course you can. Of course you've got time to do that. <laughs> Depends how long you guys eat for, how hungry, how hungry you are. But there's something of coming together. What I, so a couple of the things I, what I don't want you guys to do... I, I, I don't want you guys to be negative about this. You need to encourage one another in this, actually. This is, oh my goodness, like God is good. Look what he's doing. Hey, it was hard, but God, we can do this together. Come on. So there's something of coming around one another, encouraging one another, and going for it together. And then when you guys testify, what I want to do next week, I actually want to release testimonies of what God is doing and has done already in this week. So I'm going to ask you guys that you would, if you've got a testimony or anything that's happened, I know a couple of guys, listen, just by the way, I knew that, like, I didn't realize that we were going to be such a hit fasting, because everyone's pretty excited. Some guys have already started fast, like, this week they've been practicing. I don't know, (laughs) I don't know if they've been practicing, but there was something of a conviction of that on their hearts, and actually they started, and I've already heard a few testimonies. So I want even those people that have already got some testimonies to bring them to community on Wednesday night. Share them with your community leaders. And guys, Jeff is going to be leading the meeting next week. I want to ask you community leaders to please communicate those testimonies to Jeff. And we're not going to preach next week. We're going to release testimonies. We're going to hear about what God's doing because we want to look back to what he's doing and celebrate him. All right. So what we're not going to be doing is um, being like the Israelites and grumbling when it came to food. We're not going to be being like the Pharisees and being pious and bragging about it. It says, when you fast, anoint yourself with oil. So have a smile on your face, even if you're really hungry. 
<laughs> but don't complain about it. Don't complain about it. Don't like, Find the Lord in it. I want to urge you to do that. Don't go on social media. Don't. It's quite interesting. I was speaking, was it, were we speaking last night, I think? And Brendan's like, yeah, the thing is when you take food away, actually all the other stuff, you don't really want to do the other stuff. It's quite interesting. I thought about it. It's like, maybe, maybe it's true. But just in case it's not, I'm telling you guys, <laughs> don't go onto social media. Don't go crawl up in your bed and binge watch series because you can't do anything else. That's not fasting. Pray. Find the Lord. Put some worship music on. Spend time worshiping Him. If you've got to go to work, go to, of course go to work. But just every, every time you feel like you're a little bit hungry, remind yourself why you're feeling hungry and turn, turn your gaze to heaven. Turn your gaze to heaven. Paul says, as often as I think of you, I pray. As often as you feel hungry, pray. All right. Guys, no coffee. Cut it out. Start cutting now if you need to. Start, start, start weaning yourself off it so you don't get a headache. Because some of you might. Smoothies are food. Just so you know. Okay. That <laughs> being very practical because like sometimes some we don't know how. Smoothies are food. Like, oh, ah, we're dieting. I mean, we're not dieting. Sorry. <laughs> Listen, fasting without prayer is just starving, stop, starving yourself. I'm just saying. So we're not dieting. We're praying. Okay, so, so, so I've, often, I've seen this. God, like we're fasting. Okay, lacquer. See how much stuff I can get into my smoothie in the morning because we can't eat it. <laughs> so, no, no. That's defeating the purpose. All right. <laughs> Don't go watch a movie. If you've got any bad habits like smoking or any of those things, don't do that. Don't do those things over this time. Trust actually that the Lord's going to break those habits in this time as well. That's we, We're trusting he's going to break addictions. He's going to break things that master our flesh. What to do? Drink lots of water. So I think somebody asked me, hey, I couldn't, like, I just had a little bit of water. I'm like, no, 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 you must drink water. You must drink water. Water's actually, it's good. It'll help you get through it as well. It'll help, make sure you don't dehydrate yourself. Um, Please, don't, don't be irresponsible in this. <laughs> so make sure you drink lots of water. It helps as well. If you're on medication, guys, you, I don't know how you're going to, you've got to work this out in a sense. I'm not being too prescriptive in this. I'm not telling you what to do, but I say keep it simple. Keep, keep what you need to get into you, into you. So if you just need to put something in your tummy, have a piece of bread or something like that that just lines your stomach and... With no, with, with no butter. Yeah, you don't need to spruce up that sandwich. Just have a dry piece of bread. <laughs> so I know, so for example, um, let me use Margot as an example. She can't get through the day. She'll pass out. She can do one day, sorry. So she can't go further than a day. and She, she literally, blood sugar passes out. So she'll have a one dry piece of bread. Eh? One morning, afternoon, evening. So that's how it'll look fasting for her. She'll have one dry piece of bread in the morning and lunchtime. And just no butter on it, just one piece of bread. And actually you break bread if it's a long if it's a longer period. I'm just giving you an example. I'm just giving you a little insight into how she does it. So she would she would often break bread she would take communion every night when she's fasting and that piece of bread would be part of her communion. Cool. I'm just giving you a couple of is this helpful? Cool. 
Um, if you're worried about your energy levels, guys, don't go and ex don't go for a run. Like, <laughs> this is common sense. Don't go for a run. Slow down. Actually, it's a great opportunity just to slow down. Um, if you have a headache, drink a lot of water. 